with uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. We're on questions 85 and 86. Uh, last week it was 82 through 84, looking at uh, our, our, our depravity, our sinfulness, how sinful we are by nature, and also the penalty for sin being the wrath and curse of God. And now we move tonight into 85 and 86, into the good news, um, the good news of God's salvation in Christ for us. So um, I will read these, these questions, and then we'll turn our attention to God's Word. So question 85, what does God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requireth of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicateth to us the benefits of redemption. And question 86, uh, Question 85 is setting up the next set of questions in the Catechism. It lays out faith in Christ, repentance unto life, and then the use of the means of grace. And that's the, that's the outline for the rest of the Catechism. Uh, so tonight we'll take up question 86, what is faith? Next week, repentance unto life. And then from there out, it's, it's the means of grace. Um, so question 86, uh, which is our topic tonight. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Answer, faith and Jesus Christ is a saving grace, whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation, as he is offered to us in the gospel. In our scripture tonight, we have two passages. First of all, the Old Testament, Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Numbers 21, 4 through 9. This is the word of God. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, but we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that Everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. And in our New Testament text, just two verses from John 3, John chapter 3, 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Thanks be to God for His Word. Let's pray that He will bless it to our hearts. O Lord, we pray that the 
meditation of all our hearts together now on your word would be filled with your spirit. That it would not be in human wisdom and insight and understanding that we consider your word, but that it would be under the lively influence of your powerful spirit. Come and feed us this word. Feed us with Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. So last week, as I said, we looked at Shorter Catechism 82 through 84 and what God's word says about our sin. And we saw that God's word has a lot to say about our sin and that what it says about our sin is about as bleak a picture as you can get. I don't, I don't think you can go anywhere else. I don't think you could open any other book or find any other religion that would teach a bleaker view of human sinfulness and the consequences of that sin than, than the word of God. We read there that none is righteous. No, not one. That those who are in the flesh, who are, who are dead in sin, cannot please God. Not just that they don't choose to please God, but as sinners, we can't please God, even if we wanted to. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked. The Bible paints this picture, and it's, it's on, 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 uh, from, from, from the beginning to the end, it paints this picture of the depths of our sin. About human nature, yes, but much more personally, your heart, in my heart. And we looked at the consequences of this sin. God's death sentence, His judgment, His wrath, just judgment and wrath. But then, now we turn to the good news, that that God has made a way for sinners to be made right with Him, that He's made a way for sinners not to be under that death sentence anymore. Now, the question is, what is that way? Um, as good Protestants, we know we know the five solas of the Reformation. One of them is sola fide, by faith alone. We know that faith is the only instrument of salvation, that, that God has said, it, it, it's by faith that you're made right with me. So the question then is, well, if it's by faith that we're made right with God and, and delivered from our death sentence for being sinners, uh, what is faith? That's a very important question. That gets at the heart of the Christian life. It gets at the heart of, uh, of the gospel. Uh, people have different ideas about what the faith that saves us is. Some people say it includes having assurance of your salvation. Does it? Some people say it includes love. Love for God and love for others, especially love for the Lord, that, uh, that if you're going to have faith in Him, you, you must love Him, that love is an essential part of faith. Others would say, well, no, love is the sum of the commandments, the law. That's not a part of faith, because faith is not of the law. What is it? What, what, is, what is saving faith? Now, that's a question that people today are still discussing. It's a question that the church has been discussing for a long time. Um, there, was a, there was a presbytery back in Scotland in 1717, where this question kind of erupted. What is saving faith? There was a young man by the name of William Craig who was coming before the Presbytery to be examined, to be ordained as a minister of the Presbytery, and he was doing his ordination exam. And and this Presbytery had a particular 
creed that they wanted him to affirm. And they said this in their creed, it is not sound and orthodox to teach that we must forsake sin in order to our coming to Christ. True or false? The man would not affirm that creed. He would not say that it's not sound and orthodox to teach that we must forsake sin in order to come to Christ. And the word got around. It goes all the way to the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, and they side with the young man. And they, 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 they side against this presbytery that had this creed, uh, except for 12 men who, who objected to this. They argued that although the creed was perhaps poorly worded, it was, it was nevertheless true. How would you answer the question? Um, imagine you were there on the floor of Presbytery, and they asked you this question. I'm glad that the Presbytery did not ask me this question uh, when I was there for my ordination exams. True or false, it is not sound and orthodox to teach we must forsake sin in order to come to Christ. Uh, to put it as clear, a little more clearly, is it right or wrong to say that we must forsake sin in order to come to Christ? The answer is, I think, according to Scripture, if we understand what faith is, that it is uh, that, that that the statement is true. You don't first forsake sin and then come to Christ, but it, it's in being drawn to Christ by His grace that you then the fruit of that is forsaking sin. But but faith, faith simply receives Jesus Christ. Our catechism describes faith like this. It says, Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation as He's offered to us in the Gospel. This is, uh, this is the teaching of Scripture. Um, let's look at John chapter 3, 14 through 15, the text we just read together. We'll look at three things here in John chapter 3. We'll look at the object of faith, the nature of faith, and then the reward of faith. The object of faith, the nature of faith, and the reward of faith. Now we start with the, the object of faith. Look with me at verse 14. Uh, before Jesus talks about faith, in verse 15, about believing in him, in verse 14, first of all, he talks about the object of faith. What the faith is in comes first. He says in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What's the story? We, did, we read it in Numbers. Uh, that, that's in the background here. The people of Israel are wandering in the wilderness. They're grumbling and complaining against God. Again, uh, this, is a, this is a recurring theme. They're complaining about the food He's provided for them. Uh, they're complaining that it's not good enough. So God... God responds with discipline. He sends these poisonous snakes into the Israelite camp and they begin to bite people. And it's painful and it's excruciating. It's the judgment of God through these serpents falling on them, falling on them for their sin. But then God provides a way of salvation from this, uh, from, from this judgment. He has Moses make a bronze serpent and set it up on this pole. And if you look at the bronze serpent, uh, then, then you live. What this tells us, first of all here, is that what matters more than the quality of our faith or the quantity of our faith is the object that our faith is in. Think about it. If, if an Israelite had been bitten by a serpent 
instead of looking at the serpent that Moses set up, looked somewhere else, and he had lots of faith. Maybe he thought, if I look at the tabernacle, that'll be better. And I'll have lots of faith, and I'll look at that instead. And he's got this really strong sense that it's going to work. Is it going to work? No, because God said, here is the object you need to place your faith in. Here is where you need to look. What if you had an Israelite whose faith is weak? He says, I don't think this is really going to work. But you know what? It just might. It's just enough faith to look at the serpent. He'll be healed. Right? It's the object of your faith. Faith is not about faith. Faith is about the one the faith is in. That, that, that's the point here, and that's what Jesus is stressing in verse 14. He's pointing people to, to himself that, that, that it's, it's, it's not about how strong or weak your faith is, but where your faith is, who your faith is in. What matters is if you are looking in faith to the one place where God has told you to look. I heard a message recently by, uh, just a snippet of a message by D.A. Carson, um, and, and he, was, he was talking about using an example uh, uh, for, from, from imagining a scene during the Passover in Egypt. And he was saying, you know, imagine that there are these two people, and they're, they're, they're there in Egypt at the Passover, uh, the night that God is going to deliver them, and, uh, and they've heard that if we put the lamb's blood on the doorposts, then we'll be saved. One of them is really scared. He, he, he really doesn't think. He's really, really worried that, that the angel of death is going to come and strike down his firstborn son. He's nervous. He's scared. He, he's not sure it's going to work. He puts the lamb's blood on the doorpost, but, but, but he's so scared. And then you have someone else, and that other person has complete confidence. He sleeps perfectly. He rests knowing God is going to defend us. God is going to keep us. This is the word that God has given, and it's absolutely certain. And that other one has confidence. Which of them is saved? They're both equally saved. And so, so it is here, as our Lord Jesus is telling us, that the object of our faith, the only place that we need to look, is to our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus refers to himself here as the, the Son of Man. Pull it up. Jesus is the, the Son of Man who must be lifted up. We talked a little bit about that title for Christ, the Son of Man, uh, about that this morning. It's a reference back to Daniel 7, where the prophecy is that the Son of Man will have this kingdom that will, will go on forever and ever. He'll be, he'll be clothed with the very glory of God, the great judge of all the world. And... And Jesus says that just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness in order for the salvation of the Israelites, so he, the great king and Messiah, will be raised up, lifted up for the salvation of, uh, for the salvation of his people. This word here, this phrase, lift, to be lifted up, um, what, is, what is that referring to? I think, I think it's referring... To, uh, to the cross, right? When Christ is, is lifted up on the cross as our substitute for our sin, the place on the cross where he pays it in full, it is finished. Uh, that's where we look in faith. I think he's also talking about uh, what, when he's raised up from the dead, when he's lifted up from the grave in resurrection life. That's also where we look in faith. And I think he's talking about when he is raised up in glory to the right hand of God in the highest heavens. That, that's where we look to Christ in faith. We look to 
the Christ who is raised up on the cross, the Christ who is lifted up from the grave, and the Christ who is lifted up to the throne of, of heaven. This is where our faith rests, not on feelings, but on these facts, right? these historical, concrete realities of who Jesus was and, and what he's done. Jesus says, let your faith rest here and only here. Focus your faith. Look to me, to the Son of Man who is lifted up for you. That's where faith looks. That is the focus, right? Faith is not focused on itself. Faith is focused on the object of faith, on our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the object. That's the object of faith. We also need to consider, though, the, the nature of faith. What is, what is faith in Christ? Um, first of all, looking at the passage here, we can say that faith requires knowledge. That must be part of faith. What does Jesus say? He says, faith is, when you, when you have faith in me, you have faith that I'm the Son of Man. I'm, I'm the one who is lifted up. So in order to have faith, you've got to know what it means that Jesus is the Son of Man. You've, you've got to know uh, what it means that he was lifted up on the cross. You've got to know what it means that he was lifted up from the grave and what it means that he's lifted up to the highest heavens. If you don't get the facts right, if you don't know the truth about who Christ is, if you think, well, he was just a man, then you don't have saving faith. If you think he was, he was, uh, he's still in the grave, wasn't raised from the dead, you don't have saving faith. But you, so faith, first of all, is knowledge, knowing the facts. Um, second of all, you have to not just know the data, but assent to it, agree to it, and say yes, those are true facts. This is not only what Jesus says about himself and what the Bible presents about him, but it's true. Um, you, you could have knowledge of something, but also have knowledge, or at least think that uh, that thing is, is false. So we need to know what God has told us in his word and who Christ is, and we also need to assent to it as true. That's also part of faith. And then there's the third piece, um, and that is trust. Verse 15, Jesus says, Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you believe in something, you not only know the facts about it and assent to those facts, but you trust yourself to it. Um, think, of a, think of a medication you might take. Um, you know what it's supposed to do. You acknowledge that, and, and, and you assent to the fact that it, that it will work. But what if you never take it? Do you really trust that it's going to do what it should for you. Or the example that's used all the time, but it's a, it's, a, right, it's a good everyday example, there's a chair. I know it's a chair. I assent to the fact that it's a chair. I assent to the fact that it's a sturdy-looking chair. I inspect it. Yes, it looks very, very durable. But until you sit in it, that's not trust. But when you sit down, then you're trusting it. And that's the way it is with our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what faith is to know who he is, to say, yes, that's true, I assent to that, and then to give yourself to it in trust. This is saving faith, knowing, assenting to, and trusting in Jesus Christ. It is profoundly simple, really. We, we've dissected it a little bit, but it's, it's really so simple. And Jesus 
shows this to us with this illustration of the bronze serpent in the Old Testament, this wonderful picture of, of what faith is. What did the Israelites have to do in order to be saved from those snake bites? They had to know about the serpent that was raised up on the pole. If they were ignorant of it, they wouldn't be able to look for it. They wouldn't know to, but so they had to have knowledge. They had to assent to the fact that, yes, this is the way God has ordained for this salvation to come. And then, they had to look. What do they not have to do? Moses, God, God does not say, Moses, put the, put the snake on a pole and put it a little way off from the camp, and we'll see who can crawl there. Uh, and touch it, and then they'll be saved. If, if, you, if you can crawl there, if you can show some endurance and some grit and get there, then, you, then you'll be saved. That's not the way that God ordained it to be. Uh, or, or, uh, or, or spend a week making sure you don't break any of the Ten Commandments, and then you look at the serpent on the pole, and then you'll be healed. No, that's, that's not there either. All, all, all that you have to do is lie there on the ground and look at the serpent, and, and you'll be saved. That, that's all that they, they, they had to do. Um, and, and so it is with Christ. This is what our Lord is saying. Faith in Christ is not a heroic leap. It, it's, not, it's, not this, it's not this great feat of, 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 of courage uh, to, to put your faith in Him, uh, a leap in the dark or anything like that. It, it, it's not something where you have to do good works first, penance or something, before you can come to Him. You just look at Him. That, that's all it is. The words of the Catechism put it so well. Uh, those two words, it's, it's receiving Christ and resting on Christ. When you receive a gift, you didn't work for it, you didn't pay for it, you didn't earn it, you just, someone just gives it to you. And, and there, it's yours, and you did nothing, and it's there as, as your very own. Or, or, or resting. Uh, uh, picture, picture your bed. Um, when you lie down to rest on your bed at night. What are you doing? You're doing nothing. Right? You're, you're resting. You're trusting that the bed is going to hold you. You, you just lie down, dead weight. You're not there thinking, I've got I've to have faith in this bed. It'll hold me up that way. You, you, just, you just rest. Sometimes you collapse into it, right? And that's what faith in Christ is. It's just it's resting in Him. It's, it's not doing anything. We said this last week, quote by Machen, faith is the opposite of doing. Right? Faith is to collapse into Christ and say, I can't do anything to save myself. I'm just going to rest on who He is and what He's done. Loved ones, that's the way we begin in the Christian life. That's the way you come to faith in Christ at first. Seeing that you're completely hopeless and you're a sinner and you've got no chance at all of your own righteousness and you need Him and only Him. And that's also how you go on in the Christian life as well. That, that's the way saving faith continues to operate in the Christian life. It doesn't change. You just keep resting on Christ and looking to Christ just as you did at day one of learning to trust in Him. Yes, there needs to be repentance there needs to be uh, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, all, all these things, be holy as God is holy, but those are all the fruit of faith. They are not part of faith. Faith itself, saving faith, is resting in Jesus Christ.
So don't do in your faith. Look at Christ and rest in Christ. Don't take your eyes off of Him. Don't, 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 add, don't try to add works to this. Just rest in, in Him. There's a little more here, though, uh, that I want to draw out about the nature of saving faith. Um, the Catechism and also John chapter 3 tell us more about where faith comes from. The Catechism says faith in Christ, it starts this way, faith in, in Christ is a saving grace. Uh, we don't see that right here in verses 14 and 15 of John 3, but in the context of chapter 3, we do see this. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, You must be born again. You must be born again from above, not by the will of man. But God Himself, by His Spirit, has to come down and give you new life. And so, in other words, even as Jesus is, is, is saying, you need to have faith to believe in Me, in, verses, in verse 15, um, before that He said, you need to have the Spirit give you grace to have faith in the first place. In other words, even though faith is not a work, even though faith, in a sense, is the easiest thing in the world, it's just resting, collapsing, looking at Christ. We can't even do that without God's grace first. Ephesians 2, By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. We can't even rest in Christ. We can't even collapse into Christ without first the grace of God coming along and giving us that faith in the first place. It is all His gift. It is all of His grace. Third thing here, the reward. The reward of faith. What do we receive from Christ when we rest on Him alone? John 3.15 says, Whoever believes... Whoever receives and rests on Christ, whoever has faith in Christ, will not perish, but will have eternal life. What did the Israelites receive when they looked at the serpent? The poison of the snake bites running through their blood. What, what, what do they receive? They receive the miraculous healing of God, saving them from that death sentence of the serpent's bite, and giving them life instead. And so it is when we look at Christ. Right, the, the, the poison of sin and the death sentence of God's condemnation that we are under is replaced by eternal life in Jesus Christ. John uses the, word, uh, the words eternal life to refer to all the blessings that are ours in Christ. Forgiveness of sins, justification, adoption, sanctification, the, the whole package, the gospel, uh, resurrection, life, and fellowship with, with God, the kingdom of heaven, all of it. This, this is what we receive. It's such, a, such, such a, a marvelous truth, loved ones. It's such a stunning verse for us. Verse 15, what does it take to receive eternal life and all the blessings that God has to give? Not penance, not love, not good works, but faith. And only faith is all that God requires of us that we may be saved. It is really marvelous, uh, incomprehensible to us, that that's all it takes for guilty sinners to be saved. Last week we, we went 
to great lengths to see in Scripture that we are totally depraved sinners who do not deserve salvation, who do not deserve life, who do not deserve this eternal life that's being offered here. We deserve, just like the Israelites did, the the serpent's bite there in, in Numbers 21. We deserve the wrath of God. We are fully guilty and should not survive. And all that God requires of us is a look to Christ. That is the way it is. That is the way He has ordained it and the way He has worked it. And the goal, of course, is that it gives all the glory to God. But what do we have to boast about in faith? Nothing at all. There's nothing in faith that is ours to boast about, except our own weakness and sin. There's nothing at all in ourselves. It's all of the grace of God and all to the glory of God. So, loved ones, look to Christ. Receive and rest on Him alone. Don't try to add works to your faith, but rest in His gospel. Rest in Him, and eternal life is yours. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for the mystery of the gospel that You revealed in Christ, the way of salvation for sinners. We thank You that You have set us free from condemnation and from death, and You have brought us to life in our Savior. We pray that our eyes would not be brought off Him, that we would not strive to add to the righteousness He has achieved or to add to the forgiveness He has purchased with His own blood, but that we would rest in all that He has done and that we would give You all the worship and all the glory for it and lives of, yes, spirit-wrought obedience and love. We ask it in His name. Amen.